Support for the Things Above podcast, hosted by James Brian Smith, comes from the Apprentice Institute for Christian Spiritual Formation at Friends University, whose mission is to provide spiritually transforming educational experiences for churches and individuals seeking a radiant, joyful, Christ-centered life. Learn more by visiting ApprenticeInstitute.org. I'm James Brian Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. You're listening to episode 93. If you missed the pilot episode or this is your first time listening, this is a podcast for what we call Mind Discipleship. It's a podcast for those who want to set their minds on things above. That's where the name of the podcast comes from, Colossians 3, 1 and 2. As Dallas Willard said, we live at the mercy of our ideas. They run and can either ruin or restore our lives. Dallas is right. Our life depends on the thoughts that we nurture. Today's thought from above is this. Rejoice always. Well, happy Advent and Merry Christmas. Christmas is here, and it's going to be hard for many people this year. It's a challenge. 2020. 2020. We are coming to the end, and many of us can't wait to move forward. You know, St. Paul in his early epistle to the Thessalonians, in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, has these two words, rejoice always. You know what? It's hard to do that. It has been a really hard year to live out that one little verse. That's a whole verse, by the way. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, rejoice always. Two words. But it's really been a challenge, hasn't it? 2020 has been super hard. And, you know, I'll be honest, I got COVID first of December, and it was a bummer. I don't recommend it at all. I'm really grateful that it wasn't a really terrible experience for me. I didn't have a lot of the bad symptoms that others have had, and I'm grateful for that. But it still is was, was very challenging. And um, many people I know, loved ones who've gotten it, and people who have died, former student who died, um, it's just, it's been a terrible run. And yet here we are facing something as wonderful as Christmas, which is about glad tidings of great joy. We're also looking at a new year, which is an opportunity to say, hey, let's look forward to what's in front of us. And there has been wonderful news. The vaccines are being distributed and the cavalry is coming, as they say. And there's this real sense of hope that in 2021, things are going to turn. But of course, you know, we are still beginning the winter of our discontent. We do have something to get through, which are the next several months. And as I was thinking about that, uh, where we are in the sense that it's been really, really difficult and challenging, and yet at the same time, there's some measure of hope, I began thinking about someone that I've been learning from, studying for the last three years, and his name is Adrian von Kamm. Adrian von Kamm was a Roman Catholic priest and teacher and professor who was born in 1920, lived till 2007, and uh, he was born in the Netherlands, uh, but he much of his adult life was spent here in the United States where he uh, established the Epiphany Academy in Pittsburgh. And Father von Kamm wrote like 50 books. He just is, was really prolific. But the reason I'm, I'm, I've been thinking about him is that 
he credits his understanding of the human person. And by the way, his theological anthropology, his formation science, his approach to Christian spiritual formation is, is exceptional. But he will trace everything that he came to understand about the human person and spiritual formation back to what happened to him as a young man back in 1944. Now, you may remember I said he was born in 1920. So in 1944, Father von Kamm was just a young priest. And at that time, living in the Netherlands, they were occupied by the Nazis. And so they were living in occupation. And then um, the the war was going badly for the Nazis. And so uh, they cut off all the trade routes into the Netherlands. And this meant that the people who were living there couldn't get any food. And so it, it began what became known as the Hunger Winter or the Dutch Famine, uh, 1944-1945. And it was incredible. Like 4.5 million people were right on the brink of starvation. Many people died. And Father Van Kamp is this young priest who is trying to give pastoral care to people who are suffering. Now, here's the other parallel with us. The Allied forces had begun really gaining ground. So um, there was this real sense that, that within the next four or five or six months, the war would end, which, of course, it actually did. But they didn't know that yet. So they were in that, we're still in the darkness, but we're waiting and there's hope. And that, to me, feels a lot like us today, where we are right now. So here's what's interesting. As I mentioned, Father Adrian would say, that it was that time in pastoral care that he learned something about the human person that forever changed the trajectory of his life. And he found the secret, if you will, to how to live a life of joy, even in discouraging circumstances. He learned how to live what he would call a life of appreciation. And that doesn't mean just, oh, like I appreciate the things that I have in my life. It's more than just gratitude. It's a way of living that he came to understand and write about in his many volumes of work. One particular book that I would recommend to you is called The Power of Appreciation that he co-authored with uh, Dr. Susan Muto. And in this book, he explains how he came to this understanding of the nature of the human person. And this teaching actually helps us live out this idea of how to rejoice always, how to give thanks in all circumstances. First Thessalonians 5, how do we do that? Okay, I want to make a, a preliminary point, though, to say this. The first thing is that you can't do what he's asking us to do, what I'm going to explain, on your own. You, you can't do this without the power of God, without grace. It's too big for us, and I'll explain why that is. The second point I want to make is that this isn't merely positive thinking. This isn't just, oh, think happy thoughts or, you know, a Pollyanna kind of thing. This is a much deeper kind of uh, way to think about yourself and your life and your world. So I just want to start with those caveats to say, you know, this isn't something you can just do by yourself uh, on your own. And it isn't just about thinking good thoughts. It's way deeper than that. Okay, so here's what he teaches. There are two types of thinking, what he calls depreciative thinking and appreciative thinking. Where did he get this idea? All right, here's how it works. So in 
in the anthropology, the nature of the human person that, that Father von Kamm writes about, he says, look, here are these four dimensions of the human person. The first is that we have bodies. And that's a wonderful thing. We are embodied souls. We forever, as we come into this world and journey through this world, are always in our bodies. We need to feed them and care for them and give them rest and nutrients and exercise and that sort of thing. Our bodies are wonderful things. Okay, that's part, that's dimension number one. Dimension number two, we also have this, what he called the functional dimension of the human person, which means we have a mind and a will and an imagination. Uh, We can think and create and build and do things. That's functional. The third dimension is the social dimension. And that is that we come into this life, not in a vacuum, like we come into a family with this, with this genetic disposition, as they say, I, I may have Jesus in my heart, but I got grandpa on my bones, right? So I, we have this, this reality that we're born into a family and a culture and a time and a place, and we're very much social creatures. That's the third. And then the fourth dimension, this is what he really learned in that the Dutch famine experience. There's a part of us that longs for God a part of us that longs for what von Kamm called the more than. I, there's, I want something more. We all long for something more than the things of this world can provide. Of course, that longing is for God, but von Kamm would teach, he uses that phrase, the more than, because even someone who's not a believer has this transcendent dimension, this longing for the more than. So he saw this at work and that no matter what happens, that you, there's nothing you can do to stifle that. Okay, so that's, that's the, the, the good news of the human person. Here's the negative side. That is that we also have what he called the pride form. The pride form. A part of our formation is the pride form. Um, you may understand that to be original sin. That would be another way of putting it. And what von Kahn was teaching is that every person has this aspect of who we are, that wants to be God, that wants to be in control, that wants to be the, the captain of our own ship, the master of our fate. And he had this incredible word that he used. It's autarkic, A-U-T-A-R-C-H-I-C. And so it's like auto, which is self, and then arc, arche, which is to rule. So autarkic means self-rule. And the pride form is that part of us that wants to turn away from God and be our own God to establish our happiness and our well-being on our own terms. That's what we live with. So in summary, there's this, we have bodies, great, that's, that's wonderful, and they have their needs and we care for them. We have this um, ability to create and do and think, that's wonderful. We have this social dimension, we're social creatures, and then this longing for God. And yet at the same time, we're always being pulled in this other direction to be in control. That's part of the struggle. So we have this God-shaped hole, right, that Pascal said, in the heart of every person that can only be filled by God. And yet there's this other part of me that I wrestle with every single day, which is I want to fill that hole with other stuff. That's what he talks about. That's what he means by depreciative living or depreciative thinking. It's trying to live from those pre-transcendent dimensions which is to live from how I feel in my body, how I look in my body, look from my willpower, what I can do, what I can achieve, what I can accomplish, 
to live from that perspective of what do others say about me? What's my social standing? What's my relationship with other people? And Henry Nowen, jumping ahead now into the 1980s, Henry Nowen would talk about the three great lies about our identity, which are, I am how I look, I am what I do, I am what others say about me. Let me say those again. I am how I look. I am what I do. I am what others say about me. That's that kind of autarkic living where we're, we've turned from God and we're saying, you know what, this life is all about that. It's about my physical appearance and what, what people say about that. It's about what I can accomplish and do and then what other people say about that. So, for example, you go on Facebook and you're looking at something and, and you decide, I'm going to post something. And then you do. It's a picture. And maybe it's a picture of you. And then people are going to comment and say, oh, you look so beautiful in that picture. Or you get likes and that sort of thing. That's, okay, there's nothing wrong with that in one sense. But if you find your meaning, your purpose, your well-being attached to that experience, that's what von Kamm means by depreciative living and depreciative thinking. Because then you end up saying things like, well, you know, I can only be happy um, if this happens. Or, well, I'll only be happy when that happens, when I get the job promotion or when I lose 10 pounds or when uh, someone says something really good about me, that sort of thing. So contentment, well-being becomes contingent or dependent on all of these other things, on how people think about us, on winning, on getting the job, physical satisfaction, etc., that's what leads to this kind of depreciative approach. And what happens is ultimately we end up envious, angry, bitter, frustrated, jealous. That's what depreciative thinking does. It moves us in that direction. So how did Adrian von Kamm have this epiphany during the Dutch famine? Well, what happened was everything that I'm talking about was taken away from people. I mean, these people were just, they were living on less than a thousand calories a day. They were just trying to share food to survive. So they weren't thinking about what the scale says. They, you know, it wasn't about, hey, who's impressed with what I did today? They're just like, I'm trying to help you survive and me survive today. And so when, when they're in this condition of suffering, that allowed him to see the truth. It, it exposed the autarkic absurdity that most of us have just the wool's been pulled over our eyes, and we think, this is how we find joy. This is, this is what life is really about. It's about these kinds of things. And he was like, no, it's not. And in fact, what he discovered, here's the key, folks, was that even in the midst of deprivation, that transcendent longing remained. And if people could turn into that and live into appreciative thinking, they could find joy. That's the big Aha, that was the epiphany that he experienced. See, because appreciative thinking, we use the word appreciation in terms of like the, the value of something, like when the, the value of a home appreciates, meaning the value increases, right? And so what he's saying is when people can look at their life and, and see it in terms of appreciation, they see the value in it. They magnify the value. So if you're really pursuing the transcendent or pursuing God or pursuing the more than in everyday life, you're seeing the mystical in the mundane, the extraordinary in the ordinary, and this is how you find joy. And of course, we need, we need God to do this because depreciative thinking is absolutely 
addictive. As I've learned to live into this, I, I see just how I'm pulled constantly. It's in my habit patterns and my formation is to go to the de- depreciative level. And it pulls us right down. What's an example of what I'm talking about? Let me give a concrete example. So my favorite movie uh, of all movies, not just the Christmas season, but my favorite movie is It's a Wonderful Life. I love this movie. Most people love, many, many people love this movie. And the reason is, based on what I've been saying today, because it's about depreciative thinking, seeing the, the wrongness of it, and moving into appreciative thinking and living. Okay, so what happens? George Bailey, well, he lives a wonderful life, but he doesn't really know it. He kind of takes it for granted. And what happens to George? Well, a series of bad things happen. One particular bad thing happened. The evil Mr. Potter tricks Uncle Billy and takes the money. And so it looks like George is in big trouble. He might even go to jail. And he spirals down this whirlpool of thoughts to the point where George Bailey, happily married, wonderful kids, great life, is going to take his own life. He's going to jump off the bridge. He jumps. He's going to do it. But what happens? Clarence the angel jumps first, so George has to go save him. And in that moment, he, the better angel of his nature, of George's nature, comes out. And then as he's, you know, trying to, to warm up and dry out and, you know, from that experience, Clarence explains who he is, that he's this angel sent by God. I love this story because I think we do need some divine intervention, you know, because when we get to depreciative thinking and we go down that that whirlpool of thoughts into the dark side and envy and jealousy and frustration, all that stuff. We need something to pull us out. We need a, we need a Clarence. And what happens to George? Well, you know, spoiler, if you, if you haven't seen the movie, I can't imagine many people haven't. But what happens is George is able to experience what's truly important in life. And what is that? That life is wonderful. That what really matters is faith and family and friends and kindness and compassion and love. And he begins to see it's people and it's full of joy. And that's what life is all about. And then, you know, he opens the book at the end, Tom Sawyer, and and he sees the inscription from Clarence, no man is a failure who has friends. It's about people. That's appreciative living. And that's, I think, why people love It's a Wonderful Life, because we need that reminder to go, yeah you know what, I can get discouraged about this or that, this disappointment, but you know what, life is amazing. That's what that's about. And you know what, I got to just do one other Christmas movie. My other favorite Christmas movie is Elf. Why do, why do we love Elf? Because of Buddy. <laughs> because Buddy is, he's the poster child of appreciative living. Buddy at every turn is like, this is amazing. You're amazing. Everyone's wonderful. And you know what, He's childlike, even though he's a grown adult. He's childlike. But remember what Jesus said, you can't enter the kingdom unless you become as a child. And so I, I like to think when, when I hear Jesus say, you can't enter the kingdom unless you become like a child, I like to think Jesus saying, you can't enter the kingdom unless you become like Buddy, <laughs> unless, you, unless you begin to live with this presumption that life is great, people are great. That's what we're here for. We're here to live with the power of an appreciative life. And when we do, we become mirrors of the mystery. That's what I want to talk about in the next episode. How do we become mirrors of this mystery? How do we begin to reflect that when we step into appreciative living?
Well, I hope you'll join me next time for episode 94. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Ryan Smith. And you can learn more about this podcast at ApprenticeInstitute.org. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with a friend. And you can also subscribe, which means you're going to get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you're asked, what's on your mind? Your answer will be, things above.